the book of Revelation is God's divine code breaker. It unmasks the plans of the enemy. It reveals the plans of God. And it outlines a strategy for you and me to overcome in the last days. That's Pastor Mark Finley, and this is Hope Lives 365. At Hope Lives 365, we believe God answers prayer. If you'd like somebody to pray with you, keep in mind this telephone number throughout today's broadcast, 888-244-HOPE. That's 888-244-HOPE. Here now is Pastor Mark Finley with today's Hope Lives 365. One of my favorite countries in the world is England. I've traveled there a lot. Teeny and I, my wife, lived in England from 1985 to 1990. Just a couple of weeks ago, I was back in St. Albans, and I just enjoy England a great deal. London is one of the greatest cities in the world. And one of my favorite spots in downtown London is Winston Churchill's underground war room. It was here, deep within the bowels of the earth, that Winston Churchill and the Allied forces, Allied commanders, planned their strategies to defeat the Nazi onslaught in World War II. And although the Allied forces had many, many setbacks, when London was being bombed and the earth was shaking, deep beneath the earth, Winston Churchill was planning to defeat the Nazi forces. After a long and protracted battle, of course, the war was won. Now, recently, Simon Singh wrote a book called The Code Book. It's really a fascinating book. It's a book that tells about a secret group of men known as the Code Breakers. They met in Bletchley Park. They worked to break the German signal codes. They were led by a man by the name of Alan Turing. Now, the German signal codes would be the codes that the Germans sent secretly to their submarines. They were the codes that the Germans sent secretly to their destroyers. There were 159 quintillion, I don't even know what that number is, but 159 quintillion different combinations of codes. They were placed on a machine that the Germans invented called the Enigma machine. So Alan Turing's task, along with his compatriots, was to figure out how to break that code. He was able to figure out in real time what the Germans were doing and to communicate that to American convoys that were coming across the Atlantic so they would know where the German submarines were and they'd be able to avoid them. He was able to develop a system to break the German code with his brilliant mind so that he would know when the German submarines were ready to attack and we could send our attack hunters after them. The code book details that story. Some authors say, some experts of war say, that Turing's work shortened the war by at least two years. In fact, Jack Good, in his book, said, we would have lost the war without this one man who broke the German code. The code breakers made all the difference. They revealed the plans of the enemy, and they provided a strategy for the Allied forces to win the war. The book of Revelation is God's divine code breaker. 
It unmasks the plans of the enemy. It reveals the plans of God. And it outlines a strategy for you and me to overcome in the last days. Take your Bible, please, and turn here to Revelation. Revelation, the 12th chapter. Revelation chapter 12. And we look there at chapter 12, verse 7, 8, 9, 10, and 11. Revelation 12, verse 7, 8, 9, 10, and 11. Notice what the scripture says. And the dragon. And war broke out in heaven, Revelation 12, and we're looking there at verse 7. And war broke out in heaven. Michael and his angels fought against the dragon, and the dragon and his angels fought. But they did not prevail, neither was there a place for them in heaven any longer. Point one. The devil battles against Christ in heaven, and the forces of hell lose. The scripture says they did not prevail. Verse 9. So the great dragon was cast out, that serpent of old called the devil and Satan, who deceives the whole world. He was cast to the earth, and his angels were cast out with him. So the devil is cast out of heaven. The book of Revelation reveals that Christ wins and Satan loses. Verse 10, second phase of the battle. Then I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, Now salvation, speaking of the cross, speaking of Christ's death on Calvary, speaking of the atonement on Golgotha's hill. Now salvation and strength and the kingdom of our God and the power of his Christ have come and the accuser of our brethren who accused them before our God day and night has been cast down. Jesus won in heaven. Satan is cast out. But Jesus wins on the cross. Satan is defeated. Salvation, strength, the kingdom of our God comes. Notice verse 11. Notice verse 11. The devil suffers a deadly blow on the cross. The scripture says, though, they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony, and they did not love their lives unto death. Here is the truth of the matter. Although Satan was defeated by God in heaven, and although Satan was defeated on the cross, the war still rages on earth. Satan is not yet a completely defeated foe. We see Satan and that war raging on earth. We see tornadoes, famines, earthquakes, fire, and flood. We see global warming and pollution. We see despotic rulers arming for nuclear war. We see the battle all around us, but we feel that battle in our own hearts. We know the right, yet we feel pulled to do the wrong. We know what we ought to do, but we struggle with doing it. We see that battle in conflicts in marriages. We see that battle in the temptations to indulge passion. We see that battle in the temptations to indulge our appetites. We see that battle for pride, for criticism, for gossip. So the battle that waged in heaven where Christ was victorious over Satan, the battle that waged when Christ was victorious on the cross, that battle still wages in every heart. That's why the Bible says, Ephesians chapter 6, verse 16. Ephesians chapter 6. And you're looking there at verse 16. 
The battle still wages. That battle wages on earth yet today. That battle wages in our families yet today. That battle wages in our hearts yet today. That battle wages in communities yet today. Ephesians 6, we're looking there at the 6th chapter of the book of Ephesians and the 12th verse. Notice what it says. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. So there's a battle between good and evil. There's a battle between Christ and Satan. This is no make-believe battle. This is no Star Wars conflict out in fictitious space. This is a real battle. There's a real Satan and there's a real Jesus. There are good angels and there are evil angels. And Satan is hell-bent at destroying your soul. And Jesus is heaven-bent at redeeming you and saving you. Now, what is the key to victory in this battle that wages in our hearts? The code has been broken. Revelation 12, verse 11, is the passage that we want to spend our time meditating on and studying this morning. There are three aspects of this passage. We'll look at each one of them. Revelation chapter 12, verse 11. And they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb, by the word of their testimony, and they did not love their lives unto death. Therefore rejoice, you heavens. Now notice the text says, they overcame him. Victory is ours. They are not overcome, they overcame. They are not defeated, they defeat the enemy. They are not conquered, they are conquerors. They do not lose the battle, they win the battle. Somebody say, praise God. Notice what the scripture says. It says, they overcome, they overcame him. Now, the word for overcome in the Greek language of the New Testament is an interesting word. It's the word nikau. It literally can be translated. They conquered him. They prevailed over him. They triumphed over him. They came through victoriously. That is something to rejoice about. Satan was defeated in heaven. Satan was defeated on the cross. And you and I need not walk around with our heads down in disappointed discouragement defeated by Satan because the Bible says they did what everybody? What did they do? They overcame. Do you believe the Bible? Can we be overcomers? They did what? Overcame him. Now how did they overcome? That's what we want to study this morning. They overcame him by the blood of the Lamb. Now the Lamb is the central figure in the book of Revelation. Some would have you believe that the book of Revelation, central figure, is a dragon and a beast and cryptic symbols. But the lamb is the central figure in the book of Revelation. The lamb is mentioned 28 times in the book of Revelation. Pastor Mark Finley will continue with more in just a moment. Stay tuned. Hope Lives 365 is a donor-supported ministry. We step out in faith to purchase airtime on this station because we believe God is working through this radio ministry to touch tens of thousands of lives. Each of our messages is prayed over, biblical messages of hope and Bible truth. To continue, we need your support. We do not have a large ministry fundraising machine. We operate totally by faith. 
If you have been blessed by our ministry, go to our website, hopelives365.com, or call our toll-free number to make your contribution of any size today. That number is 888-244-HOPE. That's 888-244-4673. Here now, once again, Pastor Mark Finley. Now, numbers are significant in the Bible. 28 times. 4 times 7. 7 in the Bible is a symbol of completeness or perfection. And you look at the seven churches, the complete work of God down through the centuries. The seven seals, the complete ministry of the church, God working through the church. The seven trumpets, the seven complete judgments of God. The seven spirits before the throne of God. The seventh day Sabbath, which completes the week. Seven is always completeness or perfection. Four is always universality in the book of Revelation. Four represents north, south, east, west. Universality. 28 times the lamb is wrenched in the book of Revelation. Four times seven. Jesus is our perfect universal savior. These numbers are not there by accident. He saves everybody from the four winds of the compass who comes to him. North, south, east, west. He is the lamb of God. Now notice Revelation chapter 5, verse 6, one of these statements about the Lamb of God. Revelation chapter 5, we're going to look there at Revelation 5, and we're going to notice Revelation 5, noticing verse 6. Notice what the scripture says. And I looked, and behold, in the midst of the throne, and of the four living creatures, in the midst of the elders stood a lamb, as though it had been slain having seven horns and seven eyes, out of which the seven spirits of God were sent. Notice you look up into heaven. And what do you see when you look up into heaven? A lamb. The lamb as it had been slain. The lamb of God is center of beings worshiping in heaven. And what does that lamb have? He has seven horns and seven eyes. Horns in the Bible are a symbol of power. Eyes are a symbol of wisdom. So God would develop... In his far-seeing wisdom, he would develop in the omniscience of his mind a plan to save the entire human race, a plan that was so powerful, a plan that was so incredible. Eyes, wisdom, horns, power. So God would develop an all-wise plan that's so incredibly powerful that it would baffle the angels of hell. It would defeat Satan forever and ever and ever. And this plan would seem to be foolish to the secular mind. How would a lamb ever defeat a dragon? But that would be God's plan. Now, the lamb is a symbol in the Bible of sacrifice. The sacrifice of Christ on the cross is a sacrifice for sin. Through his sacrifice, our guilt is gone. Through his sacrifice, our sins are forgiven. Through his sacrifice, we are no longer condemned for our transgressions. When we accept by faith what Jesus has done for us, our debt is canceled. Now, if we are forgiven, there's nothing that the devil can accuse us of. Bible commentator William Barclay puts it this way. The forgiveness which is in the cross has left Satan the accuser no possible accusation to make. Do you like that? Let me run that by you again. The forgiveness which is in the cross 
has left Satan the accuser. No possible accusation to make. When the accusing voices ring strong in your head, when Satan says to you, you are inadequate, face Satan head on and say, yes, I am inadequate, but Jesus Christ is my adequacy. When Satan says to you, your works are insufficient, you can never make it, you will never live in heaven because you are too weak, you are too frail, you are too sinful. Face Satan head on and say, yes, I am insufficient. But I depend not on my sufficiency, but on Christ's sufficiency. When Satan confronts you with your unworthiness, face Satan head on and say, I am unworthy. But I trust not in my worthiness, but in Christ's worthiness. I am unrighteous, but he is righteous. The devil has no accusation to make when you are in Christ. As Charles Wesley so beautifully put it, Arise, my soul, arise, and shake off thy guilty fears. The bleeding sacrifice in my behalf appears. Wesley goes on, Before the throne my surety stands. My name is written on his hands. He ever lives for me to intercede. All his redeeming blood, his precious blood to plead. His blood was shed. I love this last section. His blood was shed for all our race and sprinkles now the throne of grace. In Christ's life, in Christ's death, in Christ's resurrection, Jesus conquered and overcame forever the worst that sin and evil could do to him and ever throw at you. He made a full assault on evil, and he overcame it. When we accept Christ by faith, his victory over Satan in heaven and his victory over Satan in the cross are ours. And this has a powerful influence on the way that we live. Our victories over Satan in this life are rooted in Jesus' death, resurrection, and ascension. Now this work of Christ has great implications for our lives. First of all, if you have come to Christ if you've accepted his sacrifice on the cross, if you're his child, your place in heaven has already been guaranteed through Christ. Now, there are many Christians that struggle with this. Their idea is, will I ever be saved? Their idea is, will I ever be good enough to be saved? As long as the devil can keep you in doubt about your salvation, you will never be a powerful witness for Christ. But if you know that through Jesus and by Jesus and because of Jesus, your victory over Satan is certain and there's a place guaranteed for you in heaven. One of the most marvelous texts in the Bible on this is Ephesians 2 verse 6. Ephesians 2 and you're looking there at verse 6. When Christ died on the cross and was resurrected and ascended to heaven we die with him on the cross he died for sin we die with him to that sin when he was resurrected we by faith are resurrected with him when he stands before the throne of God in heaven we are there with him by faith now this is a marvelous truth I want you to grasp this truth and get the reality of this truth. 
Because once you grasp it, it changes your life. Ephesians 2, verse 6. We're going to start with Ephesians 2. And notice verse 4 to 6. Ephesians 2, verse 4 to 6. But God, who is rich in mercy. What is God, everybody? Rich in mercy. Is he rich in mercy toward you? But God is rich in mercy. Because of his great love, which he loved us. Even when we were dead in trespasses and sins. He made us alive together with Christ. I once was dead, but now I am what? Alive. Are you alive in Jesus? I once was dead, but now I'm alive together with Christ. By grace you've been saved. And he's raised us up. This is what we want to concentrate on. He's raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. That in the ages to come, he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. What does it mean that we overcome by the blood of the Lamb? Through his death we are forgiven. Through his death condemnation is gone. Through his life in heaven's sanctuary we have power to live new life. But we take it a step beyond that. By faith we live in heaven with Jesus now. We walk on earth. But our citizenship is in heaven. Jesus has guaranteed for you a place in heaven. There's a great bond between Christ and his people. We're united with him in his death. We're united with him in his resurrection. We sit with him by faith. Heaven is our true home. We Christians have a right to it. We have a status to it. You know, recently, my wife and I had quite an amazing experience. We were leaving Lebanon. You know, I have all these visas in my passport and all these stamps. The American government allows me to carry two passports. Because when I go to some countries, they don't like at all if you have a stamp from another country. And I made a mistake. When I went to Israel, I had them stamp on a piece of paper. Because I don't have them stamped in my passport. But I made a mistake. I had all these stickers on the back of my passport. One of them was from Israel. You cannot go from a Muslim country of Lebanon, Beirut, to Israel. It's impossible. I wasn't going there. But you can't. And if you have anything that indicates you've been in Israel in your passport and you go to Beirut, you'll get detained at the airport. So my wife and I were coming through and the immigrations official took my passport and he looked at it and he looked at it. He kept going through, looking at it. Then he left. He left my wife and I standing there. Five minutes go by. We're still standing there. He's got my passport in a little office. And I said to Tini, we better pray. We've got to pray. This is not good came back, didn't say a word, just this stone face kept looking through my passport, looking through my passport. Get up again, left again, another five minutes go by. Now we had stamped T's passport, so I looked at my wife and I said, look, it's likely they're going to detain me. If they do that, you get on the flight to Germany, immediately contact our general conference headquarters, let them know what the situation is for me, and they'll get me help, and they won't arrest me, they won't put me in jail, it's not illegal but they can detain me, and this can be really difficult. I can spend two weeks here. I can spend three days here. So Tini said, I'm not going. I'm staying with you. I said, no, no, no. You're not going to be much help to me here. i got to get you out of here to get me some help. So he came back, looked through my passport. Then he took it, and there were two police officers. He gave it to the police. I said, all right, here I go. Well, unfortunately, we need to leave it there for the first portion of our broadcast here today. In Time Witnesses. You can find this broadcast online at hopelives365.com or you can listen again tomorrow when we complete this message here on Hope Lives 365.
Are you fascinated by the prophecies of Revelation? Have you wished you could understand prophecy better? Do the symbols of the Bible's last book baffle you? God's Last Altar Call is just the book you need. Mark Finley clearly explains the events soon to unfold in this world. Be sure to call today for your copy, 888-244-HOPE. That's 888-244-4673. The book is yours for a donation of any size. Thank you for your generosity. Your donations keep this ministry on the air. Again, thank you for your support. 888-244-HOPE. That's 888-244-4673. Thanks for listening today to Hope Lives 365.